Welcome, everyone. No one came to hear me, so I'll be brief. Rabbi Lobiansky is obviously an enormous Talmud Chacham and a prolific author. But more than that, I think when you read him, and you'll see after today, he's an incredibly thoughtful person, and incredibly broad. And when you ask him a question, hopefully you'll see this today, the sense you get is it's not the first time he's gotten that question, it's not the first time that he's answered that question. And I mean it in the best possible way. Um, he's above time and space, not, not like the Sfat Kabbalah type of above time and space. But like he, he lives in America, but if you ask him a question about where we are, I think, I think he's comfortable talking about it. I think th- there's no issue, there's no question that's beyond him. And so it's really, really an amazing schos that we get to hear Rabbi Biansky every year. And we're grateful to him and B'chavah Gadol. Good afternoon. Um, my wife also says I'm above space and time, but it doesn't sound quite as complimentary as when you say it. It's, it I think the word you use is spaced out. So I'm, I'm not sure if it means the same, but it's Al Kaponim. Uh, it's nice to hear it in a very positive tone of voice. Um, maybe we'll start. I, I wanted to say a, a thought, something on the parasha that I think is, um, it, it's, it's an important foundation in our approach to Torah. And then maybe we'll, we'll discuss, we'll talk about things. Um, the Chazal point out the, the structure of the parishes. You have a parasha of... Yisro with the Dayanim and Shofet and so on, the whole parasha of Emishpatim, the Kaparsha, you have Matan Torah, and then you have Mishpatim again. Especially if that first parasha is, was put in, it really asks the question, in other words, it's chronologically out of order, and it really raises the question of why. So Chazal say a mushal. It's like a melech that's going. Zion lefanim v'zayin la'acher. Zion meaning armed god, like Moshe Klei Zion. Um, it, so a king, when he walks, he has an armed god in front and an armed god in back. You have the Torah, you have mishpatim before, mishpatim afterwards. That's what Chazal described. It doesn't, a marshal has to add some understanding? I mean, what exactly are Chazal trying to tell us? What exactly is in the marshal? So, I, I, I would first of all want to correct something misleading in the marshal that I think it needs to be corrected. People picture it as a unit, like an army unit that's moving and you have in the front uh, weapons and somebody in the back weapons, like you have a secret service detail. I don't think that's what Chazal are referring to. What they're referring to is you have a king before he can enter a country needs to have an armed forces to conquer it. So the armed forces come first. When they win, the king comes in he issues all sorts of edicts and promulgations and things like that. When he leaves, he leaves behind an army detail to enforce what it is that he, that he en- en- enacted. 
So we're not talking about the, the technical movement of the king with the front guard and back guard. We're talking about a chronological order. You have the conquering army, you have the king, and you have the upkeep, the, the army that keeps up the, the government and so on. That's the marshal. What is the nimshal? So I think Chazal here are dealing with the concept of what we would call mundane halacha, or civil law. So Torah consists of laws that have to do with divine interaction, what we would call chukim. Halacha has to do with things that, we, that deal with civil interaction, not different than any civilized society that has a system of laws and norms to, to regulate behavior. So Chazal are telling us the role of that type of mishpat has two functions in the picture of Yiddishkeit. One function is Derech Eretz Kodmolotor. It says in Chazal, Medrash and Breshis, that Derech Eretz Kodmolotor 26 doros, and it takes it from the Pasuk Derech Eitzachayim, and then, and then moves it on to until Martin Torah's 26 euros. What it means is, for instance, the Kuzari, when he speaks about Yiddishkeit, he explains that our first approach to the divine is through Seichel. A person opens his eyes. He feels, forget about nature and its wonders, but there's a sense of right and wrong, morality, goodness, kindness, evil, cruelty. These are things that a human being with a normal conscience feels it. And that's the gateway to a, a deeper religion. And therefore, the Kuzari speaks about Avram Avinu beginning the process of human intuition, understanding right and wrong, until it brings him to a point of um, Akadosh Baruch Hu. The Rambam in, um, in, in Mishnah Torah, in Hilsavodah where he speaks about Avram's progression until the point at which Akadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself. That progression was not only just the the, the technical wonders of science, it was the morality. Deep inside a person's intuitive sense, good and bad are very, very powerful emotions. More than emotions, I don't know what to call it. Rabbeinu Bechaya says that the reason why Stone was held accountable for not giving tzedaka was, even though he said they weren't commanded, but to watch your fellow man die of hunger in the street is a basic human nature to do something. And if you don't have it, you're not human. Stom and Amora didn't have Derech Eretz, which means the basic um, natural sense of morality. And therefore, they were subhuman. Once 
we, so, so the God in front, the God that conquers, when we ask a person, um, give of your physical self, discipline yourself, deny yourself, push yourself, it's founded on that there's something in a sense of us that, yes, I want to be good, I'm a good person. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Megala himself. And we begin to understand morality and goodness in its full scope. <coughs> now, when the king leaves, so to speak, we have an entirely different perspective on all of those, um, all of those laws that seem to us to be humanistic. They, they, they just come from our sense of things. We understand that everything that we sense as being good and bad come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They draw from a much deeper well the commandments of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man with Salmu with Musa, he endowed him with an inner sense of morality upon which Torah will eventually rest. So the same laws we were following before the king came, we, and that served to, so to speak, conquer ourselves and make it into a, um, a place where Torah could rest on, gives meaning anew to the Torah that Baruch gave us. So it's an incredible cycle. Our innate sense of good leads us to saying, where is it coming from? what's its root? And when I hit that, and when HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like the Chazal said, HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself and said, Ani, to Avram Avinu, Lech Lecha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, it's me. I now follow these laws with a much deeper sense and understanding where it's coming from. That, I think, is what Chazal are trying to convey in that mashal of a melech and zayin lefan zaychav. At first glance, you have to conquer the person. The physical person is an animal. He wants to eat, drink, satisfy his own cravings, and not care. But something inside a person begins to eat up the person. That's not me. There's more to me. What about the other person? What about kindness? What about discipline? What, what about many other things? What about truth? When HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the Torah, it also puts everything else into perspective that it's all coming from a much deeper place. That's what Chazal, I think, were trying to, to um, tell us this muscle. And, it's, and it, it's, it's something which helps us understand the relationship between our natural sense of Tov and Ra and the divine nature of Torah as we have. That was a thought I wanted to share on Mishpat, and I felt was something that, that is, is a very important Nakuda. I guess we always, I've always been uh, enlightened by people's questions uh, and, uh, you know, interactions, so if, I don't know. The, yes, could you just tell me your name and where you're from? I'd just like to get to know you a bit. What's your name? Josh Diamond from, from Silver Spring. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you had any observations, things you noticed, things that were interesting you were surprising about the way that uh, the world that maybe aligns 
with your Ashkafa, Ashkafa of Yeshiva, Yeshiva Greater Washington, the way that that world reacted to what happened on Simchas Torah, um, if any, the way that they reacted, or the way that your community reacted, um, if there is anything interesting about that, things that you noticed. So, I, I hate to be a spokesman for other people, and I can just share some feelings. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, um, I, I would say, I guess we'll, in a very broad, in a broad sense, we'll, we'll call it Haredi. I, you know, and again, I, I don't like to use titles because no one, no one has appointed me spokesman of any place, and I certainly don't get paid a salary, so I, I don't uh, speak for anybody. But... I'd like to I'd like to share something I think is is at heart of a certain perspective. There, we wrestle, everyone wrestles with the questions of um, doing things kederach hateva, derech heretz, or derech heretz. Not in the sense we spoke about it before, but derech in the sense of doing things that are naturally helpful. To bitachon. Filler, etc., and we everyone has to reconcile the two in some way. In other words, our reaction to an event is um, first and foremost, what, why did, what caused it, and why do, and how do we fix it? And yes, of course, we need to daven. To versus why did Hashem do this, and what do we have to do to fix it? And yes, we also have to do something practical. That's always two poles of bitachen versus ishtadlus that every person personally has to face. So an event like this, I think, triggers, for instance, in some places the reaction might be we never should have given back yamit and so on. We can't trust the heirs for anything. Um, the, you know, a lot of, a whole range, or I'm sure somebody said we should have given more. Uh, you know, th- that's, that's a whole group of reactions on one side versus why does Hashem do it? Why is Hashem Torah? What does it mean? And so on. So I, I think the tendency of my world is to sort of, first and foremost, ask ourselves, Lomos Hashem, why was it for us? What what do we need to be sacking? and so on? I, I think it's that's sort of if I could categorize something, that's always sort of the impulse is what do we need to do, and in a po- as sort of more in terms of a framework of Hakadosh Baruch Hu Bitochen, vis a vis practical part of it, what needs to be done and what could be done, and so on. I, I would say, and like always, both of these are, um, there's no easy answer at any point. But I'm saying, if you're asking me, a tendency is, when an event like it happens, the first thing is, you know, ma'as Hashem. Why? And what do we need to do? And uh, whatever, and what chizuk you make, and so on. That, that's, a, that's an attitude that is natural. Um, if a person comes and says he doesn't have parnasa, so th- the first attitude is, are you giving my some money? It's it just an approach. And, and both, obviously, we, we need to do ishtadlus, we need to have bitachin. And it's always a question of how to play the different parts. I was once, um, I have back problems and so and so. I was once actually at Sisro, I was by a physical therapist, 
I, I, it acted up terribly. So I went to a physical therapist. This person was abreast of a chassid. So after he pushed and pulled and whatever he did, he said, I notice it's your right thigh that caused the problems. I'll pick Kabbalah with thought that that's connected this and this. Therefore, it might be tr- worth trying to give a little more tzedakah. I, I, you know, it's kind of interesting. It was, a, it was different than what I'm used to. But, um, I, I, but yeah, I said to myself, you know, it's interesting. Here's a person that sees things in a different way. So if you're asking me in a broad stroke, I think that might be a, a way I would categorize it. Yes. Um, What's your name, sir? Uh, Arya Ozer from Hong Kong. Um, from where? Hong Kong. From Hong Kong? Yeah. Wow. That's a... um, how did learning under Gedolim like Reb Chaim Shmulevitz and Nachum Partsovitz and Moshe Shapiro influence the Rosh Hashiva's um, Ashkafa and the various projects that the Rosh Hashiva undertook over the years? Um, and also, can I ask, is it okay if I ask the second question? I- I'm fine with it. Um, and if one is looking to begin learning the um, some... Um, Sifrei Machshava with the Maharal. Which Sifrei would the Rashiva recommend they start out with? Well, <laughs> um, so first of all, I think the reason why he asked that first question is because Hong Kong is the closest place to Shanghai. <laughs> and that's where the Mir Yeshiva was. So he has a natural affinity for Mir Yeshiva. It's a geographical type of, of, of uh, Kesha. So it's good. They used to, in the Mir, it was a point of pride of Shanghai. He's from the Shanghai. So... Uh, it, it, it's some, it, I, I just want to, maybe I'll just pause a second to talk about it. I, 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 once up, I don't think people understand the Nisim that happened. I, I just want to elaborate about this. The world was horrid, and the, there was no terror. Europe was going down. Europe was deteriorating religiously, except for Hungary, maybe. Hungary was the only one that was keeping. And Israel had nothing yet. America was going downhill, and European Jewry was doomed. <coughs> Akash Baruch Hu created Eretz Yisrael, a nace, and there's no other way to look at it. You can, you can again, you can, I'm, sheet is all directions. It, it was certainly an, an unnatural, unexpected, no matter what anyone says. On the other hand, there was another event that happened that was as critical in saving Kali Yisrael. The Mir Yeshiva, which was the biggest yeshiva, was trapped in Europe. Their escape needed a dozen miracles, none of which made sense. They got fake passports to a fake country from a fake consul. It was like incredible. The story somebody could read about one of great Nisim. These are the people that when they finally, after eight years, came to America and Israel, rebuilt Torah. The great Rosh Yeshivas were all from there. One way or another. Three quarters of the staff at University, Rev. Salvechik had come before. Um, most everyone else escaped through that. It, it was an incredible uh, moment. Kajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajsvakajs
learning, he was already not well. You know, in other words, he, he said Shaklon, but he didn't have that asmata he had. So, so all of these things um, were really incredible. They, they had a hashpah, and that's why the most important thing wherever you're learning, wherever you're learning, is to look for people that are unusual. People that, that have that stature because a living model is worth more than all the words in books and in speeches and so on. So really living it was an incredible experience. I, I don't have time to all, all uh, stories, but it's more than any particular story. It was something about the people. Their life really was Torah, and, and that was something incredible. The, um, as far as the morale farm go, the, it, it, it's, it's a hard world to break into because he has a certain terminology, certain ideas. Hearing it from someone live is always a good beginning, just to get a sense of it. But my person, the safer that I personally connect to, what I felt was almost the Ferris Israel, Amat and Torah. Gvuris Hashem is probably the most famous one, but they all use, most of the firm use a similar vocabulary, and it's a certain set of ideas that you just have to become used to and understand them, and, and then, then the other firm fall into place. So it's hard, hearing it, it's like Reb Chaim al-Arambam. If you never heard it from somebody, you'd have a hard time struggling with it and getting it down yourself. So morale is similar to that. Yeah. Yes, today? I'm Gabe Levy from London. Um, we often discuss, particularly in times like this, um, Torah for the sake of others. I mean, we're learning the schos of someone. How does the Rosh Hashiva see that operating? Is that in sort of a metaphysical, Kabbalistic sense, or is it a form of tefillah or something else? So I would say in it's, it's the fa- very fact that people are together and doing schosim for each other is something that, it obviously, it's obviously not physical. At the end of the day, nobody shoots better because somebody's sitting and learning about Mitzia. It's, it's all metaphysical to some degree. But the point is, it's, it's a certain, we, we, we understand that the big picture, however we'll understand it, is it's a, it's a shas of Haronaf. It's a shas of Hestapanim. In the big picture, we're meant to, to move closer because of it. And if people pick up the slack and do it, it's a schuss. I, 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 don't, I personally don't like when it becomes more specific than that. It's a general thing. We know that a, a churm of this nature is, is a hest upon him, a terrorist upon him. We know that hest upon him is a sign that Kaisal needs to move back and, and, and come closer. And this is what I can do sitting here. So it's it's that's the the general feel. For it. Oh, and some other. Yes, what's your name? Judah. From. Why does it sometimes seem that the Avos are presented in a negative light in the Torah? Like the stories that are presented, we don't see that many incredible Tzadikim stories about Yaakov, for example, or Yosef. So it's, it's a good point, and let's talk a little bit about this. First of all, I, I don't like using the word proofs, but it's always good to see something. Um, you'll never find, when you pick up a religious work of any other religion, you will know exactly who the hero is. 
the hero does no wrong, whether it's J in the New Testament, whether it's M in the Quran, whoever it is, he's always a tzaddik The only safer in the world, that doesn't spare criticism, who wrote it? Who would write a safe like that on himself? Who, who's the hero? Chazal say four people do Averis. Look for Yishai. Look, you know, look for Yom. Look at the four people in do Averis. They don't, they're not the heroes. So, Balkarchach, the Torah is written with a very sharp um, and with, 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 with Emes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Just like we need Torah Shabbat Peh to teach us that Ayin Tachzayin does not mean an eye for an eye, not in the literal sense, and every other halacha that we learn, and Ach B'Yom Rishon Tashbisu does not mean to burn chametz on the first day of Pesach, but Erev Pesach. If a person keeps Torah Shabbat Sav halachically, he's, a, he's, he's, he's an Avarian. You, 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 if he gives 40 Malkus, he's doing an Avera. So, we understand that Torah is a combination of two. Chazal helped us understand the stories. In other words, what was going on and why is it written like that? What's the point that the Torah is trying to make? So we need to have stereo vision. We need to be able to see it with both. And we need to understand, let's give an example. When you have anyone's taking math, you have expo- exponents <coughs> and it creates wild numbers, you can have logarithms where what you're doing is taking that and making it into a multiple instead of an exponent and you can work with it and it becomes easier to work with it. Instead of writing in the Torah all the titles of, of Hagoyen, Godla, Neyev, Oyem, Vakadosh and so on, the Torah deals with Avram in a pure abstract way what are his maizim, what are his midis, and so on. So we need to understand that the f- full dimension of it is with Torah Shabbat Peh together, giving us a sense of it. We also need to ask ourselves, Avram Avinu lived a very long life, 175 years. How many stories of them are there? 10 stories, 12 stories. Every single story carries in itself a tremendous amount of information. And therefore, that information we need to, um, to, to learn, to chew over the way we would chew over something in Allah. I think that's a reason, that's a way to understand it. Somebody here has never, his hand is going to fall. What's your name? You. I'm Jad. From? Um, and I tried to ask, particularly post-October 7th, yeah. what are your opinions on the Haredi what? I'm sorry? Okay, so a few points. First of all, I want to be restrained a bit because I'm not sure to be Osek and Asugia, you know, when there's so much blood and so much, so much difficulty. Uh, it's something... But... It shouldn't be, it's not October 7th only, it's 73, it's 67, 53, 48. We've been fighting wars, Shlomo Galil, we've been fighting wars, and the question is a question should be dealt with um, in the big picture. Why is it that, that, that they choose? 
October 7th is now, but there's been a lot of nows. And, and, and it's an issue I would be happy to I don't feel comfortable discussing something like that now. I think there's blood spilling now. There is, there's, it's, it's, it's a very difficult time. I would, if, if, if you be back next year, things will be peaceful and tranquil. We can talk about it and, and understand what the side is, why a community built itself in a certain way, and so on. You know, I, I, I think there's some things, you know, I don't feel comfortable talking about anything about that. So, yeah. Okay, Silver Spin gets two. Um, so, do you think that uh, learning Gemara Bihian improves one's character, and if so, specifically how? So, first of all, um, there is a certain, in, in science, we, we look at the experiments. In, in the big picture, again, every single person is different. People who work and in our male and betora tend to improve their character a lot. The reasons for that, and again, there are exceptions in both directions. Um, I, it, it, what, it, what applies is a clow certainly can't say, well, if he learns, he must be that. He doesn't must be that. And if this person doesn't learn, he can't be that. It's not must and can't, but it does. And I want to explain reasons why. In other words, he, he's making a point that sounds right. If I'm learning, what are you learning now? Baba Kama. So maybe I learn it by Ian Goddle. Maybe my axe is not going to gore anybody, but there are a lot of other areas you can do without the axe goring somebody else. So where does it improve a person? So, so the morale says the first thing is learning is an exercise in sichlius, which is the most ruchnistic part of a person. I learned to take a break from my physical wants, desires, cravings, impatience, and delve into a world that's Seichel and Das. One. Two. The, the, what I'm learning is a subconscious message that if I learn with the minimal amount of seriousness is I'm obligated to follow a certain code of behavior. And my job is only to determine what is that and, 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 and how to do it. And that's right. And therefore, um, it, it sets a certain frame of mind. It, you'll take somebody who is an omnibetora, even if as it's hard to do something wrong, you tell him it says you're not allowed to do it, he, he's going to have a problem. He might find a way to detour, but he's going to have to detour. It sets a certain impression again and again and again on a person, right and wrong, can't do it, should do it, and, and so on. And it creates that. It, it, it creates a certain general refinement of character. There are plenty of exceptions in the sense, the Goyen says if you have a deeply rooted midah, it's not going to come out, it'll get worse. But it has, in, in the big picture, it, it, it shapes a person's mindset and understanding that there's a right and wrong, and, and I have to do what's right. So that is something which I think is very important. I want to add another point, and I think going forward it's an important way to understand the opposite of being ma'ayin in Gemara is to learn Musa, philosophy, Jewish, I'm talking about Yiddish philosophy and so on and so forth. 
I want to explain the, 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 the importance of how it shapes a person differently. There are two broad types of chachma. We'll call it science and liberal arts, philosophy, whatever you want to call it. And the difference is one starts with facts and develops ideas around the facts. So a scientist who's just a technician and he marks down the observations is not a big scientist. A big scientist is somebody who observes a lot of phenomena and builds a picture that they present. That's one person. A philosopher lives in the world of ideas and beauty and then tags on Asha Alkane. In other words, and therefore we should act this way, that way, the other way. The Greek philosophers, or something like Plato, he built his idea of how well a republic should be run, not by studying republics and countries and come to conclusions, but by putting on a set of logic, logical, so to speak, axioms, and then sketching out a country, how it should work, and so on. Yiddishkeit can come with those same two approaches. I learn halacha, this, 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 this. And then I try to give it a bigger picture, to give it a ruach hachayim. Um, and that's where the philosophy comes in, or the machshava, or, or the, or the dveikos, however you want to call it. Versus, I paint a beautiful picture of a, a Yiddishkeit, and then I try to fit my mice into it. The problem is that in that second approach, where I start with the philosophy, I inevitably corrupt corners. Let's give a marshal. I'll take a, a bit of extreme marshal. If I start Shabbos by learning Hilcha Shabbos, it's difficult. Some people find it dreary. Some people find it boring, detail-oriented. So I can start with the philosophy, the beauty of taking a break from mundane activities, the beauty of the family together, the Shabbos table, the Zaidi, the Bubby, the benching the kids, and we have activities that reinforce them. So what do I do if I have a grandfather who can't walk, lives far away, and the only way for him to be part of it on Shabbos is to drive him in? If not, he's going to spend Shabbos looking at the four walls. Is that Shabbos? Um, I, 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 um, Shabbos brings tranquility, but my, my, my father's in the hospital now, and any minute the, the phone's going to ring, and again, we're talking about where Pikuch Nefesh is not allowed. I don't have tranquility. Somebody, there was somebody who kind of, um, I know, I think the person has emotional problems, but began like, Hashem loves me so much, he can't want me not to be happy, especially on Shabbos. And so there's a certain, there's a certain, so just like a scientist that starts with facts and builds a philosophy around it, is going to be a lot more um, sure of what he's saying than the person who has sweeping ideas and then fits in. Learning set gives a mindset. It's not this rabbi said this. This rabbi has a liberal approach. This rabbi has a conservative approach. This rabbi has a masochist approach. This rabbi has a sadist approach. Everyone, everyone's got their approaches. When you learn halach being, at the end of the day, it's got it's, it's, it's to add up. And, and I have to be emis. With the, with the Rabbi Weisberg used to say, halacha is, is an abstract thing. I'm not thinking about my pot and pan. I'm, I'm thinking about Basavachalam. So it allows you to, sh- to shape 
the, the idea to the reality rather than to try to take reality and shape it to the idea. That's why I think learning B'iyun is, is a very important part of, of developing as, as a yid. Yeah. Non-tuition paying members, I'm not sure, get it, get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Nanach person? <laughs> so I, let's let's no. no. <laughs> so so let, let's somebody who there's somebody who speaks about this. Not today, not yesterday, many days ago. Kuzari has an incredible, beautiful piece that should be mandatory um, learning about Yom Tovim. <coughs> The first thing is, in general, the Seifen in the Kuzari repeats itself many times. The Kuzari is, is a dialogue between the Melech Kuzarim, who is coming to, who's, who's grappling with Yiddishkeit, and the Chavar, who is trying to teach him, and so on. And a, a recurring theme again and again is, well, if you guys are as holy as you meant to be, as you claim to be, why don't you sit in caves and meditate all day and, and you know, hush away the world, and so on. And the Kuzari repeats again in different ways, the Chavar repeats in different ways, that the Torah is teaching us how to use each part of our personality appropriately. <coughs> Whatever HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us has in itself a way to do it right and wrong. Eating is a human, it, 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 I'm going to say more than a need. It's a human activity that's going to be right and wrong. Family life is a human activity. They'll be right and wrong. Of human emotions, each one goes into being a balanced person. A person who's never serious, thoughtful, and pensive is frivolous. A person who's always thoughtful, pensive, serious is morose. He's depressed. Having the balance, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us mitzvahs to express it. But the point that he makes is, he says, Yom Tovim express simcha. But he says, the condition is that the simcha is a product of thought. If I come over to somebody and say, you look so sad, let's be besimcha. Somebody said, I'll, a non-politically correct joke said there's nothing more depressing than to see the press breast of a child be besimcha. In other words, what does it mean I'm going to be besimcha? I'm not. The, the, the bank is closed on mortgage, my wife and the kids have left, and they're shooting, and they're shooting missiles. So let's be besimcha. That's another way of saying let's drink and decapitate ourselves. So being besimcha has to come from machshava. It has to come from a deep sense, if I woke up this morning, people say, this is the very typical superficial presentation of Hasidus, by, by, by non-Hasidim. The Baal Shem Tov saw that the rabbis were very tough and cruel, and they said a lot of difficult Muslim, people down and depressed. Baal Shem said, that's not the right way to do it. Drink a l'chaim and be besimcha. That's a way of saying, of taking, it's like saying, take marijuana. You'll forget your troubles. Of course you'll forget your troubles. You'll be, you know, you'll be gone. It, 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 it's, it's, you're floating away from reality. <coughs> what the Baal Shem Tov said was, I wake up in the morning, before all my tsaris, 
what does it mean I woke up this morning? <laughs> the Rabbi Nishalom said, Yankel is worthy of life because he has what to accomplish and he can accomplish. And I believe he can accomplish. That's what a heat starts his day with. So, my first one is that said, you have a tough day ahead, but I believe in you. And, and, and you can accomplish worlds. That's a reason to be besimcha. The, 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 the Kuzari says, on Yantiv, you know what your simcha is? Nikreso le shulchan we don't have Yontayim anymore the way we used to have them. Yontayim was three times a year, we went up Falila Regal. It means we got, I would say, a letter, a telegram, email, text from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A week before Yontiv, Yankel, I'm looking forward to seeing you at my table. That's what it is. It, is, there a, is, there not, is, there, is there no greater source of joy than that? If a person were to understand that, so, of course, simcha is, is, is very important in Yiddishkeit. But, it, but the simcha has to come from, from an understanding of why it's so good. I want to share a story that someone shared with me just a, re- a, few, a few months ago, Ashkacha. At Vesni Shiva on Tisha by Azal Avonin, I usually speak about somebody, uh, a godlo survived the Holocaust, was killed in the Holocaust, what they did and what they thought, you know, things of that nature. Uh, two years ago, I spoke about the Yidin who were in Russia when communism took over, and, and especially the Rabbanim and Klei Kodesh, most of Chabad, big part of them, Chabad, was slaughtered, and many of them, with tremendous Kiddush Hashem, died they, they, till the last moment. Incredible stories. One of the people who survived and was an incredible person, was Rehmata Lifshitz. He was a Chabadnik, and Rehmata Rishaychet, they used to call him, he was a Shaychet Nemoyal. And he was a Sheikh Mayat, and the Rebbe wouldn't let him leave until the Iron Curtain came down. And then he, under, he lived in Brooklyn the last few years of life. He was a Zuckin, and he lived out his last few, lives, a few years of his life in Karen Heights. His story is incredible. He wrote it up. It's in, it's in Yiddish. I, I may have chosen it, but I don't know, but it's in Yiddish. And he was sentenced to the worst labor camp, to the most difficult labor camp in Siberia. It was called Klimya. It was furthest north. It was minus 40, minus 50. And even hardened gangsters, when they heard they'd be sent to Klimia, they would, they would commit suicide. That's how terrible it was. And he survived. Um, and, a few, and I spoke about his stories, whatever I read, and so on. It was, it was very, it was extremely powerful and uplifting. A few months ago, I was in Farakwe, my son, Darche. And someone comes over to me and sees a Rebbe in Darche, and he's a grandson of Ramata Lifshitz. And I said, tell me something. I need to hear something. I, I was so inspired. Tell me something. He's not a Chabadnik. He's, um, he's, he's a Rebbe there. He said, we asked our grandfather, Zayda, how did you survive? And he said, we're a niggin. And we asked him, what niggin could you have sung to survive? And he said, Ashrenu matov chalkenu manon gerleinu. And I want to explain it. I didn't hear the explanation. Explanation, my explanation. <coughs> when you look around and you see the animals that Umasa communism was a beautiful, enlightened movement to bring goodness to the world. 
And when you look around and you see the Balachayim that are considered, that, that, that's who they are. And I'm a Yid, and I'm giving every drop I have for Kedusha's Mila, for Shechita, for Talmud Torah. I'm fortunate. Ashreinu, Atov Cholkeinu. I once heard from Rav Shach, he once said, in Europe he said, the Pirates was, was the head of the state. In, 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 in the earlier hundreds, it was uh, more time. He said he was a crazy dictator. But we looked at him as a mad dog. So a dog with rabies could kill you, but you don't feel inferior because that's what you see it. So yes, Simcha is very important. But understanding what was a mayor, Ashrenu, what we have, no one else has. The self-discipline, the awareness, the motivation to do what's right, the sacrifice, and, 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 and that should be Moilet Simcha. Yes, it's a... In yeshiva, I was always, we, we instituted, I don't know, other yeshivas, they, I think they have it. Shavuos night, quarter of an hour before Shacharis, we finish long seder, we have a rikut. And I told them, you know, Simchas Torah, it's very nice, we sing and dance, but it's been a week since I sing with other mitzvahs other than Talmud Torah. But Shavuos night, we've been learning all night long, and, and a person should express it, Ashrenu. Where else do college kids your age spend five hours sober sitting and poring over their books and learning about what am I responsible for another person? Baba Kama. I own stuff, but I'm responsible for it. And, and how much achrayis do I have? And the difference of opinions. And what's the right thing to do? A person should feel that. That's, that's, yes, that simple is, is incredibly important. Yes, what's your name? Uh, I'm Leo from London. Uh, how does Rosh Hashiva suggest that we balance inspiration and general hasmada, just doing things because we do that? Um, so, so I would say, insp- it, I, it, I would give a marshal to an engine in a car. In other words, the tachlis of inspiration is that these things become natural to us. Every person, when he first discovers learning seriously, does it through inspiration. Hopefully, it becomes second nature. So one of them is a way to do it. And then I move forward. So a person who does, let's take one chesed a day because he's inspired to help somebody. Once it becomes natural, now I look for inspiration to move to two chesed a day or three chesed. So inspiration is always the, the acceleration. And then I want to flow in with, 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 with the traffic, with the... With... Yeah? What's your name? Um, David Cartwright, Toronto. Does the Rosh Yeshiva think there, is any, there are any main reasons why Jews go off the Darach nowadays and if there's anything we could do to prevent it? He's speaking about people off the Darach. If there's a reason why... There are so many people going off the derech, and if anything, we could prevent it. That was that was the question. So it's 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 a it's a very challenging. And, and I grew up in a world where nobody was becoming more from, everybody was becoming less from. The Orthodox schools were on the way to become conservative. In the high school I went to, which was a big high school, there was the the question was how many would remain from afterwards, not how many became from. That that was that was the norm and. A nice niggle happened, and things turned around. And Baruch Hashem. The question is, I believe 
it just on bigger perspective in particular is you can never take Ruchis for granted. The Ezekiel says, it says, Your pathway is in great waters and your footsteps are not recognized. So he says, when you're traveling on a road, you can close your eyes basically, or you can text, and you can keep going and you'll probably stay on the road. If you're in a forest following somebody or something, it's harder, but you can keep looking for telltale signs, you know, branches that are broken, footsteps, rocks that have been dislodged, and so on. But when you're in an ocean, you have to chart the course every minute away. You can't have the different... um, you, You can't just go with the flow. I think we should never think that we can create a frumkite that's on autopilot. The challenge of my generation is not the challenge of the next generation, not the challenge of the other generations. And we have to ask ourselves, how do we deal with it? Um, it's, it affects the Haredi community, affects the Manonsa community, affects, affects everybody. And part of it is because we, we, we don't understand how that's happening. There, there are specific reasons that I think deal each community but what I would like to say, I guess, in, in regards to the Olam here, these year or two or three that you're spending in a Mokum Torah like this is hopefully, what, what it means until now, you've been doing what you're told to do. You grew up in a firm environment, everybody went to shul, everybody more or less did this, and you sort of go with the flow. You're in an environment... We have to find yourself where you have to understand why I'm doing what I'm doing. I need to emotionally connect the feeling of Kedusha and Tov when I exert myself and do what's right and start your pathway. So in other words, it's not something which is um, autopilot for you. The, the autopilot Judaism never lasts. You know, it's like a car. If, if there's no gas coming in, if the road is smooth, the car will go a bit longer, but it's not going to, it, 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 will, it will stop. So this, this, these years are incredibly important years because you've been raised from, I assume, the most vast majority of people here. You've gone to from schools, the vast majority of people, but there's a certain level of, you've been going on someone else's steam. And this is, this is the opportunity where you create yourself. And, and it's an incredible opportunity. And, and I think that that's the best guarantee against running out of steam and so on. Thank you. Yes. What is What's your name? Ellie, have you seen it? What is Rebbe think are the biggest, are the, are the big challenges of our generation? So I would say a certain sense of ease. Very few things do we sweat for and work for. Um, I, I, the type of stories I'm not talking about Jewish stories I'm talking about kind of the secular normal stories was so I worked all summer long delivering newspapers so that I had money to buy a bike people would first thing is they would arrest the parents for cruelty for underage working for denying a bicycle to a child and many other serious charges um, of course it, it, the question is only so which card should I give him 
That, that's about, the idea of Yegiyah Kapecha Kisochal, the idea, and in Ruchnius, it's a delicate balance. It used to be where you were put down in school a lot. You dummy, you never understand anything. That's not productive. It doesn't help anybody. But on the other hand, everyone is equally right is also something where measuring a person by how much effort they've exerted and how much they've accomplished is really a key to being able to make um, earning and and yegiyah, and yegiyah to be important. My very Nachman was an incredible genius. He was always available to speak to and learning. But his feedback was tailored to the person. If he saw somebody with very average kishonos who came up with something not terribly glamorous, but had really worked hard to get to a certain point, he would very much say, ah, that touches it exactly. I see where you're coming from and this and that. If somebody very bright took something out of his back pocket, even if it was good, he would say, man, he would say like, that's off the cuff. I, I, I don't hear that you got to the point. It was very, he would, he would very much subtly give feedback based on where it's coming from. And that was something that was, so being able to, um, being able to measure ourselves on Yigiyah and things like that, that I think is very important. And again, I can't, you know, I hate, one, one problem doesn't fit all and one cure doesn't cure all. But if I, if I feel this is something that, that is true across the I believe this is something that is, is an issue. Yeah. What do you, when is it enough to go do your gear in the, in the base measures? I, I don't want to take away from the gear. So what's the time frame? I, what, what, where, do we have a time frame? Or what, what's the... <laughs> okay. Let's say that. Um, yeah, I think fine. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, what's the definition of Yeridat Adorot, and in which field specifically would it like apply? You're from France. Where are you from? Yeah. yeah. Um, the no, it's from the, from the depth of the question, from the intelligence of the question. I, could, oh, I mean, it's sense is French. <laughs> Nothing to do with the accent. The, um, so there's a general sense. Um, Akadosh Baruch Hu created the world in segments. In other words, it's not just people have to be born. It's just, it, it, it started with a shorash and it keeps growing into branches and sub-branches and sub-branches. The klal is always, the closer you are to the root, the more it encompasses. The root of the tree encompasses the entire tree. Each branch encompasses only its branches. Each twig encompasses only the leaves on it. So there's a certain binion of the dairis where there's a shorish, and then there is a, a branches and so on. So our job is at a smaller place. It's not less important. It's not less significant. But it's something that is in a, in a it, it occupies a smaller makom. And therefore, there's a general sense that we assume that bigger, the other doors were bigger. In halacha, we have clear boundaries. Tanoim amaroyim, asim rishonim. 
So it's a general sense of how things are flowing. That's that's the most I could say. Yeah. One second, but let's, yeah. They'll say that Silver Spring people are, are, yeah. What's your name? From? Uh, from Hinek. Uh, how does Rosh Hashiva think, uh, Rosh Hashiva talked earlier about the, the uh, we have our moral basis and the Torah is built on top of that. How does Rosh Hashiva think we should react when the Torah seems to conflict uh, with our moral basis? Very good question. Um, so, one of the one of the um, principles of Amuna, one of the Ramams Yud Gimel Ikrim, is that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is Kadmon, and he learns it from a pasuk. The um, the Mona Kedem, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is Kadmon, meaning he is first. Better than the word first is primary. And the understanding of that is we, we, we can always ask a question based on something that's first. Let me give an example. Um, if there is a law in, the, in, a, in, let's say, in a city council, or city government, or Matsai Zorit, and it contradicts a national law, the national law will take precedence over it because the national law came first and this is an endowed law. So the priority is always to that which came first. I say a klal, and so I have a general law in physics. I see a particular phenomenon. I'm going to ask myself, first thing I'm going to ask myself is, how could this be? If I see something floating over here, I'm not going to say, ah, there goes the law of gravity. I'm going to say, how could this be? Because the law of gravity to me is primary. It's it's a built-in law of nature, and this is, and so on. So the way in which I can ask questions goes from the primary down. It's one reason why in American law we have a lot of balagan, because the states and the the national government, it's it's not clear who came first. The states came first. But whatever it is, that's American law. The laws, so when we ask a question of how could a Kaddish Baruch Hu make Kriyas Yamsuf, it defies the laws of nature. So that's a great question. If a Kaddish Baruch Hu had come after the laws of nature, then the question would be good. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu is first, and he made the laws of nature, so, so I can't ask a question from the laws of nature of Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's the other way around. A Kaddish Baruch Hu set up the laws of nature, and Bimela, he's the master of it. Who gave us who built us in with the inborn intuition that takes on that mind is wrong. It, no animal has that sense. Animal have it in a very mechanical way. If it sprays, uh, you know, for those animals, if they, if they spray some chemical, the other one will stay away. But there's certainly no awareness of morality. So Kodesh Baruch Hu ingrained us with morality. He's the one who created morality. So, so if a law of Torah goes against our sense of morality, it's, the question is, so under what circumstances is the morality? So the marshal, if I kill a person's Mechal Shabbos, then I have to revise my sense of revulsion at killing to fit that reality. I can't say, well, how can I say to kill somebody? It's immoral to kill somebody. 
Well, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created that immorality. Tov, Ryan Tov, and that's what Eitz was. Adam Arishan wanted to have that sense himself. The Nachash knew exactly what bill of goods is selling. The Nachash came to Adam and said, everything in the world you know, but Tov and Ra, you have to acquiesce and say, what does Hashem say? Here, eat from Eitz Adas, and you'll know. And, and that's, that, that was, that's what we fell through. So I'll go upon him, the, 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 we can never ask that. We can say, um, so how do we understand when is killing right and wrong, wrong? When is taking money right and wrong? And, and so on. But it's always with the sense of, it started with Kaddish Baruch Hu, and morality is a product of that, and we have it built in sense for that morality, but that can never be a question on a Kaddish Baruch Hu's actions. Yeah. From for where? T-Nak. Yeah. Does Rosh Hashiva think Torah Mada has value? Can you define Torah Mada? <laughs> the problem is when people give titles. So let me talk about this. There are two ways to express ideas like that. If a person says they are both on equal footing, then we go back to the same square one that we're talking about of what came first. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's came first, and, and the science of the world is a product. Kabbalah explains, and it's, I mean, it's, it's actually part of the, of the picture. I think everyone sees. Our physical world is an embodiment. It's a physical embodiment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's in, in, in a way that's necessary to realize whatever he wants us to understand and to realize. So if a person gives them equal prominence, the answer is certainly not. If a person says we need to be able to Torah and express it and understand it and, and, and be able to function in a world where we have so much understanding, then it's, it, it's a very valid shita. So do, it, 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 there is no shita. A dual God doesn't exist. So if the Vav means and then, then yes. If it means... Co-operating, co- co- co-gods. That, that's we, we have a problem with the dual gods. So it doesn't say it really. If it's meant to say, if I understand Torah and I live Torah, there is nothing I can't express in the world and deal with the world as it is with everything that modern science and economics everything does. does then yes, it, that now waits similar to Torah It's just a different phrasing. If it's somehow meant to mean that both of them are equally valid, I don't know what it means. Yes. What's your name? Everything. Well, it's the other way around. It's there is obviously like Rashi being many times. If I understand the facts of the world, sometimes it will enlighten us in understanding in understanding um, Torah things. More than that, it's to understand that everything in the world is an expression of something. The world is a marshal. It's just like when a person presents an abstract formula by making graph out of it. The graph helps you visualize. So as I get to this point, there's a sharp spike. And it's, it, this is the point at where it turns from a kind of regular curve. And now it's, it's it, statistics, you have plenty of it. In math, 
where so it, 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 the physical vision of it helps you. Akash Baruch had a world with trees and with grass. Trees and grass are something. They're shade, everything is an expression of it. The using of the world to make it a good, pleasant world to live in is part of of of, of Yeshiva Shalom. There, there are a lot of ways to realize Torah value with index, and you need, and, and if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us that knowledge and gave us access to that knowledge, we could make it to plenty good use. But understanding that at the end of the day, it's all about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, last one. Good. Okay, great. Any one more question? Yes, what's your name? Alicia from um, how do we properly emphasize the difference between Jew and Gentile without sounding elitist or even racist? Okay, um, we are privileged to have a ton of mitzvahs and affairs that they don't have. <laughs> um, we're not allowed to put on a light on Shabbos or else we're killed for it. it there is, if you think about it, there is not a single privilege we have as Jews, except for living in Yisrael, which... I think a Frenchman could live in France and Chinese could live in Hong Kong. I'm not exercising it. And, and if the Germans could live in Germany, that, that the Yiddin should have a country, I can't, I, I, I can't fathom that that's a special privilege. So everything is, we have plenty of obligation and anyone that wants to can join us. We have an neshama that can be responsive to Tayag Mitzvahs. Now, if any guy thinks that he can do it, he's welcome. As long as he knows what to get into and, 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 he's, and it's an honest opinion. So where's the elitism? If anyone can join the club and all the club does, it's like an elite unit in the army. <laughs> Are they elitist? Well, yeah, we kill ourselves more than anybody else. Please feel free to join us if you, if you, if you have what it takes to be us. So that's our attitude. What do, in what way would better... We're better that we expect so much more from ourselves, and you're welcome to join us if you're part of it. So, Ashreinu, Matov Halkeinu, Mamlev Gorleinu, and I'm very proud of it. If, if, if that's, the, you know, that, that's an elitism that I can't imagine anybody could, could, could have any problems with. Okay, it's been very special being here. It's, uh, I, I know the Shiva, well, I know the Americans, but I know there's been, there's been a lot in the in suffering and... While we're sitting here, there's so much tsar and so much, uh, so much. And um, the one thing we can do is make sure that the door that we build carries values that it's worth to sacrifice for. That we're not just another group of people. We're Klaisel. The lives we live are special. And and Baruch Hu, the curve, be. Enlighten us both in terms of our in Ruchnius and 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 in, and end the terrible tsaris and the tsar and and Bez Hashem we should see the gulosh leib of every man. Thank you to Rabbi Yatsky for his insight and his time. He already mentioned coming again next year. We hope to hold it. Thank you so much. Have a good